Welcome to More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. If you are a previous listener, thank you for coming back and investing your time and energy. And if this is your first time, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Today's guest began twisting pretzels in 1987 and grew a single farmer's market stand into Auntie Anne's, the world's largest hand-rolled soft pretzel franchise. Her professional success, however, was forged after years of darkness, depression, and despair, brought on by the death of her 19-month-old daughter. Anne's personal story and entrepreneurial insights have been featured on many television shows, including Secret Millionaire, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and Good Morning America. She has been highlighted in numerous publications such as Fortune Magazine and Inc. Magazine. In 2005, Anne sold Auntie Anne's and authored the business memoir, Twist of Faith. Today, Anne speaks to audiences around the world, inspiring people with her authentic stories and life experiences. Her mission is to help women overcome the pain, blame, and shame of their past by sharing their stories. I'm pleased to introduce you to Anne Byler. So imagine this. It is 2018, and I am walking into a mall in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm on recruiting duty, and I am currently working with recruiting. I'm can't stand it. I can't stand recruiting for the military. Although I love the military, I couldn't stand it. But one of the best parts about that job was I'd show up in the mall and I'd walk in and every morning I'd be greeted with the same smell. And if you have entered any mall in North America, then you understand that smell. It's the smell of these beautiful heavenly pretzels. And my office in the recruiting station was right across from Ansi Ann's. And I remember sitting there in 2018 thinking about one day starting a business of my own. And I wondered, how does something like that happen? How does something like that come to be? I can't even fathom who thought of that. Is Auntie Anne even a real person? I had no idea. And now to be sitting here three years later, having a conversation with Anne Byler, Auntie Anne herself. It is surreal. And I'm taken back to the aroma of these pretzels. So Auntie Anne, thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you for joining us. I know that you've gone through a lot. We've talked about it in your bio and introducing your story, but what does life look like now? What is your focus? What is your mission as you define it? Well, you know, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm I'm delighted and honored to be able to share my story on your your podcast today. Um, What's life look like for me today? Well, um, I have to say that my life has been filled with so much uh, grace and I always... um, tell people I'm here today because of the power of grace in my life, which has been more than I ever imagined uh, would even be enough for me at times, but grace has always covered me. And also my one really good man that God gave to me 53 years ago, um, my husband, Jonas, the, the combination has been winning for me. And without one or the other, I can tell you right now, I would not be sitting here doing this podcast with you today. So I'm grateful uh, that I'm here. And um, my life today is filled with um, uh, lots of of busyness, but it's not the same kind of busyness that that I experienced in the nearly 18 years of uh, starting Auntie Anne's, uh, growing it, maintaining it, going international with it was a crazy, hectic world for me. Today, it's more like I'm in control of my time. Um, I love being able to get up in the morning and spend some time with the Lord when I'm not on the road or traveling. I, I, I love my, my times with him. I love being with our children who, uh, we have four grandchildren and we have three daughters, uh, two on planet earth, and we have one daughter who lives in heaven. And um, I'm just grateful for this time after selling the company and my husband is very I want to say very retired and I am not very, I am not retired. I love speaking. My passion is a really, uh, is really telling my story. And um, I'll just, I'll go almost anywhere to tell my story because I know it's what God gave me. And, you know, when I think about stories, I, I love the example that we have in the Bible. It's really a book about stories and yet a lot of people, first of all, don't know they have a story. Uh, and secondly, there may be too, I don't know, their story's too complex, there's too much pain, there's too much drama, too much shame, too much pain. They don't want to talk about it. So I get energized by helping people understand you have a story and uh, it's okay for you to share your life because that's where God gets glory. 
when I wrote my first book called Twist of Faith, I wanted to write uh, more about, you know, Auntie Anne's and my upbringing up here, my bringing up years and, you know, kind of just sort of, you know, give the really nice, fun, good parts of my story. And um, one day as I was praying about it, the Lord, I was really agonizing over my story. Like I didn't want to tell my story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And at one point, God just really impressed on my heart. If you want to write your story, then you have to write all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, uh, wow, <laughs> that was one of the hardest things I've done. But you know what? It, it, it was the beginning, really, truly the beginning of freedom for me and freedom in Christ and the ability then to share my story um, for anyone who will listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you do have a very, very intriguing story. And well, I, I guess intriguing, many words could describe your story. Um, encouraging, uh, difficult uh, tragic, but all of these things and seeing how you still always stand on that end of it and saying, you know, let me, let me show you the God that brought me through it and how he ultimately gets the glory and, and brings us through this. But it sounds like in a lot of ways you go around speaking and sharing your story. It sounds like you're in ministry, but I'm of the thought, and I believe you are as well. There's a difference between ministry and vocational ministry and whether you're twisting pretzels or you're helping businesses grow or you're selling cars, we're all in ministry if we believe in our commission. So let's go back to the beginning. I, I know there was a point in your story where the pretzels, just something was off. And I believe Jonas was the one that came with a special ingredient and set the trajectory for what became Auntie Anne's. What was that ingredient, by the way? Oh, <laughs> you're getting way too personal. I, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I can't tell you that one. I can't answer that question. <laughs> I cannot answer. I did do my research to find that that secret ingredient is still secret, but I had to take my shot. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jonas. You blessed all of us. Let's let's talk about right after that. When you, well, first of all, tell me why pretzels, and then what was the point in Auntie Anne's where you realized, whoa, this is bigger than just my thing. This is bigger than just this thing that's local or right in front of me. Well, you know, um, out of our pain, our purpose was born. And so I have to go back just a little bit. And I'll keep this short. Um, grow, growing up in the Amish, the Mennonite community in that church uh, culture, um, I really, I really believe that, that, that life is good and that God is harsh. Meaning, um, if I keep all the Ten Commandments, nobody really told me this, but that was what I, I felt like I was taught uh, listening to preachers every Sunday and watching my parents and going to Christian school, that if I that if I did everything if I did everything just right, then God would be very pleased with me and He would bless me. Uh, Jonas and I met at, at a very young age. We were very young. We were married. I was nineteen. He was twenty-one. He was a a tall, dark, and a handsome Amish dude that knew how to work really hard and he loved God and and I knew he loved me. And uh, our dream was to be together and have our very own families. So we start, started out. Uh, happily married, had uh, two little girls, and our dream was to have maybe four or five girls. I'm not sure why we let out the boys, but we wanted we wanted a house full of girls, and uh, we had two of them. And um, uh, my sweet Angie, everything changed for us. I I have to say I was a I was a very good girl. I mean, I thought I kept all the Ten Commandments. I, you know, I'm sure I slipped up every now and then, but my belief system was a little bit. Uh, I would say. Uh, was theologically unsound uh, because what I know about the gospel today is that God is good. Uh, life is hard. God is good. I'm not confused about that anymore, but it took wow. a whole lot of life's experiences for me to understand that life is hard and God is good. Um, so we were raising our two daughters and we were very involved in our church and uh, everything changed in, in a split second, but isn't that how tragedy happens? We get a phone call or we, we get a letter or we get a notice or, you know, something happens. It's always that split second when tragedy strikes and, and you find yourself in this trauma and sweet Angie, uh, on a, a beautiful September morning, 19 months old in 12 days, a beautiful blonde haired little girl, the joy of our life. We had a four-year-old as well. And uh, the two girls were great friends. And that particular morning, she walked up to my mom's house. And um, as she was on her way up there, my mom and my dad, and my, we lived right next to my parents, but there was a barn between us and they were doing stone siding. Uh, my sister was driving a bobcat, which is a farm tractor. And um, she always looked around to see if the kids were there. But that particular morning, she backed up and looked to see if anybody was there. Nobody was there. She backed up. 
And when she turned to move the, the tractor forward, Angie was uh, lifeless in front of the bobcat. And she realized that she'd run over Angie and Angie was killed instantly that day, that morning, in that moment. And you know, that, that changed everything for me. I, I couldn't understand, I was, a bad, I was a good girl, but um, why did this happen to, me, to us as a family? Um, so Angie made her ascent into heaven. I began my descent into a world of spiritual confusion and emotional pain, which I never knew existed. And over time, uh, Jonas and I became very distant. And in a few months after that, four or five months after that, I went to see my pastor for comfort and help because I wasn't able to talk about it. I didn't have the verbal skills to talk about my deep grief. Jonas and I were no longer connected. I went to see my pastor and before I left his office that morning, he took advantage of me emotionally and physically and uh, told me not to tell anyone about that. And so I decided that I would keep that a secret. And I stayed in a very abusive sexual relationship with my pastor for over six years. During that time, life was dark. It was hard. I was uh, unlovable. I was unforgivable. And I was, I knew I was unchangeable. And I knew for sure that life was over for me. I want to fast forward. Uh, when I talk about out of our pain, our purpose was born. And it's out of that darkness of soul that my husband and I both experienced um, that Jonas, when I finally was able to tell him what was going on in my life, hardest thing I've ever done in my life was to tell him the truth. Uh, but when we realized what happened, um, he began marriage counseling. He went, he began to, he was very um, intrigued by counseling because we went for counseling immediately. And he began to study for uh, psychology. He became a layman's counselor and became passionate, very passionate about uh, marriage and counseling other people as a free service. I went to work to start uh, so I could make some money. So so we could, uh, I, could, I went to work to make the dough actually, to bring home the, the dough. And, uh, and so that he could do marriage counseling as a free service. And he did that for over 10 years. And um, that's why Auntie Anne's was created. That's wow. the short version, believe it or not. Well, thank you for sharing your story and vulnerably sharing your story as well. That's a tragedy that no person should ever endure. And so for you to share it, I know that that's not easy. So thank you for that. And then also being able to see that out of our pain, our purpose was born. So you went to make the dough, literally, what was the turning point as the business was getting going? You're making the pretzels. Uh, tell me the story about how it began or how it grew from there. And, and specifically, I want to know about that moment when you realized, whoa, this is, this is big. This is going to be massive. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, the the creating the recipe was was a a mistake. I mean, that was a crazy moment. How God just, you know, I was going to take pretzels off of the menu, and Jonas <laughs> said, "Well, before you do that, let me try something." And he tried something, and um, we ended up with a, a, an amazing soft pretzel. And a couple of weeks later, we dubbed our pretzels with called them Auntie Anne's soft pretzels because I was Auntie Anne to many I have 30 nieces and nephews and I, everybody called me Auntie Anne and so my friends said well she's called your company Auntie Anne's soft pretzels we did um yeah we had no idea at that time that we would go from one store to two this first year and then the next year 12 and the following year 35 and and so on but um, I believe it was maybe even the first year as we did our second location, um, we, we came back from a farmer's market in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I was uh, really kind of uh, wasn't sure why we did this. It seemed kind of sporadic. It seemed like, mm, you know, maybe we made this decision. It was too fast because we were making money at Downingtown at our first store. But it was on our way back from our second location that Jonah said, you know what, hon, I believe that God is wanting to do something big here. I don't know what that means, but we need to just kind of like get out of the way and let him do this, whatever that is. And I'm like, well, okay, so how are we gonna do that? He said, I don't know, we're just gonna go through, you know, one foot in front of the other, we'll go through open doors and uh, he'll show us what he wants. And sure enough, you know, he showed us what he wanted. And what is what was that now in hindsight, what God was showing you? What we knew initially was that God created Auntie Anne's as a miracle, as a vehicle to give. 
And we also know that God uh, had really put it on our hearts to be light in the world of business, to be salt and light. And those, it was a two, uh, two-pronged mission uh, to, be, to, be, to give and to be light. And when we understood that, let me tell you, it, it, it just gave us wings to soar. Like we really realized that Auntie Anne's was our purpose. There was a purpose behind all this. It wasn't just about making pretzels and making money, but it was really all about uh, giving. And so purpose, it really became, it was like fuel in my car. I mean, it, it just put the wind beneath my wings. It put fire in my soul. And I mean, purpose began to, to just, it was my motivation every single morning to get up and go to work, even when I didn't feel like it, because the task was daunting. Jonas and I, growing up in the Amish culture, we had eighth grade education. There were three things that we did not have. We didn't have formal education. We had no capital and uh, we had no business plan when we started. So uh, anyone that knows anything about business knows that that should have been a disaster from the start. But <laughs> Uh, but but God had, he, he knew, you know, according to the world, we were not qualified. Uh, you know, we were qualified when it comes to going to a farmer's market. Anybody can do a farmer's market. I say anybody. I mean, really, it's not that complicated. But as the company grew, we realized, wow, this is more than what we asked for. This is more than what we planned for. Uh, we're not, we're really not equipped for this. But you know what? God said, you're qualified. And he, as we as we uh, continue to grow the company, he continued to grow us. You know, I, I'm really curious to know, and this just dawned on me, it's, it's truly a question that I genuinely have. And I believe that it will serve the listeners, but this is, this is Keanu and Auntie Anne uh, sitting around like, like one of your uh, 30 nephews and nieces, okay? You, you know, as I'm building my business, I am uh, two in my second year uh, going on my third and building my business. And I know that when I started it, I... It wasn't on my ambition. My ambition gets me in trouble. It was truly on the feeling and the prompting that God was saying, if you do this, I will do that. You just show up and be faithful. I will bring the clients. I'll bring the relationships. I'll bring the connections. You just show up and execute the plans I'm showing you. And it took a lot of responsibility off of me because I felt, well, all right, God, if these are your plans, you're responsible now. And I just got to show up daily. But I found a constant tension, and this is also in my personality a bit, that I will sometimes swap those roles, and I'll start to find myself in God's lane or trying to do what God needs to do and subjugate him to what I should be doing. And I find every time, and my wife and I have found our way to our knees several times, just giving it back to God and saying, God, I've gotten way out over my skis. I'm trying to do your job and not mine. Just put me back in my place and you do yours. I give it all back to you again. So you had mentioned that, you know, I, I, I knew what I needed to lean into. What have you found were to a young business owner, or to me specifically, hey, this is God's role and this one is yours. What does that look like? Or what did you learn in, in your journey? Well, you just told my story right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's so true. Jonas and I both, uh, we had no plans, obviously. You know, we were happy to do whatever, uh, whatever was set before us. So um, there was a Bible verse that God gave to me as the company grew. And by, I mean, it, it didn't take very long for me to feel overwhelmed. So we did two stores the first year and 12 the next year. And let me tell you, I was just completely overwhelmed. The following year, 1990, we did 35 stores. And that was probably one of my most difficult years, but also, uh, also a time when I knew that God was just completely guiding us in ways that were crazy amazing to us. And at that time, I... I did a lot of, I want to say, you know, when we're in it over our heads, it's very easy to whine and complain. And I did that to Jonas. I was positive in the workplace as much as I could be, but it was so overwhelming. And, um, and the Lord took me to a verse in Psalm 32, verse eight. And he simply said to me, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. And I will counsel you with my eye. Well, let me tell you, th that was a promise to me from God. And I, I, I had a, a, a friend that was an artist. He did a drawing, a rendering uh, for me. It was about 32 by 40. And I put it on my, um, 
office wall so that I would be reminded every time when I went into work that it was a picture with Jesus on the one side of the desk and me on the other. And he is instructing me. I will teach you in the way that you should go. And let me tell you, wow. that visual and that promise, I, I want to say that we can actually take God literally and we can take him at his word. You know, we can get kind of puffed up about ourselves once we get a little confident in what we're doing or, you know, but, but what I knew was that Auntie Anne's was constant growth. And I was constantly looking for answers, looking for people to come help us, looking for a direction from God. And I, we call it our faith walk. So if you're starting your company as unto the Lord, really and truly, if you feel called by God to do what you're doing, then rest assured that he will guide you. But the, your, your part is to always be listening for his instruction. Stop and listen. And, you know, in my busy days, wow, I look back at my journals and my schedules from those years. I'm like, wow, okay. I, I don't know exactly how I did it, but God will meet you on the run. You know, he'll talk to you in your car. He'll, he, he, he doesn't need a certain place or a certain time or a certain way to talk to you. I mean, so I, I guess I want to say is be in tune, be attentive. If you know that you're doing your business as unto the Lord, then let him come in, let him be a part, let him talk to you and be always be listening for his instruction and you'll never go wrong. Other people may want to guide you and tell you how it should be done. And it's okay. You're not doing this all alone. You're not, you're not a one man show. Okay. But if God's called you, you are the leader and you are responsible. And let me tell you, it's a huge responsibility. If you take it seriously enough, understanding that God is your, he's your boss. Be attentive. Listen. Thank you, Auntie Anne. That is helpful. Again, just leaning back into uh, those things of saying, well, if he, he will show you, but yeah. that, or he will tell you, but it means nothing if you're not listening. So going back to that and truly inviting him in and truly asking him for that direction constantly and daily, which I'm only assuming one store to two stores to 12 to 35, that was the progression, correct? Correct. How do you scale at that level and still maintain? Uh, we, we support businesses a lot in culture and leadership. How do you scale at that level and still maintain mission and values and, and customer service? How did you do that? Well, number one, if you're clear what your mission is, that, that's really important. That needs to be, I, I believe that knowing what your purpose is before you go into business is really important because when you know what your purpose is that is really the foundation of your business and that's what you focus on so we knew from the very beginning when we did our very first week in business that god created auntie ann's to give and i could not wait to see how much we were going to be able to give the very first week now most people said to me oh you can you know wait to see you know, when I got to understand business models <laughs> and people that were in business longer and knew a whole lot more, I didn't know anything. And so you talk to people in business and they say, well, you know, you give 10%, the Bible talks about 10% of what you make, you know, off of your net. And I'm like, well, I didn't know anything about business. So how am I going to ever know when I make a profit? So we, we learned that as time went on. Yeah. But I told Jonas, we're going to give the very first week, I'm going to give $50 because we made $853 the very first week. That was gross. We just bought the store. I know we didn't make any profit, but we're going to start with $50. And then within two weeks, we started giving $100 because I want to say this because if you know what your purpose is, you will stay focused. I, I can promise you. And we knew for sure 
that our purpose was to give. And how did I know that? Because every time I gave, I just felt the joy of the Lord. I just felt this excitement, this, you know, and as we, as we cruise, so what I did initially, this is funny, but I would take the, it's a cash business, right? So I would take, the, I would count the cash on Saturday night about 1130 or 12 o'clock. And I would have three stacks. I call it the three stacks system. <laughs> and the, I took 10% off of $1,000, say that was $100, went to the church the next morning. I couldn't wait to put that money in, in the account. I mean, in the uh, offering plate. And number two, I did 30% for taxes. And I put that in a savings account. And then the third was what was ever was left over was our business account. And you know, that served me, me well. And that meant I couldn't take $10 out of the till and go buy me a pair of shoes or something. I, I kept count of every penny we made because I knew that one day I, I, I'm gonna stand before God. Now I know that God is joyful and he's happy. And he loves to bless us and he's all that, but he also keeps track of our lives. And I wanted to stand before him knowing that I didn't steal or cheat or anything like that. I wanted to do it as unto the Lord. And so that was the only way I knew how to do it. A couple of years later, we had a, you know, VP of financing came in and he showed me how you really take care of your finances. And I have been confused about that ever since. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the main thing is to keep your, you know, honestly, if you yeah. keep your focus on your purpose, that will motivate you to the point where it's it's really hard to be distracted from that. Although as the company grew, there were many voices. I, that's all I'm saying. There yeah. were many voices about how to manage my contribution. Yeah. Well, so the mission was to give. So knowing that, and it seems like in a way, I guess if we were to look back at your story and we're just standing outside of time, we're, we're standing with God and we're looking at it. It seems like in a way that there was a giving battle and I've heard it, you know, you can never outgive God. And so you were giving and giving and he's saying, okay, you know, to, to he that's faithful and little be faithful and much. And so continuing to give and give to you as you gave to him and not treating God like a, you know, like a slot machine. It's not, I do this so I can get this. It's knowing that, no, that's just the mission and God's going to meet us in it. Uh, absolutely. It was not about manipulating God at all. You know, he just simply says in his word, if you give 10%, read it in Malachi 3 verse 18, I believe it is, you know, test me. He said, just try me. And if you'll give uh, a tithe of all that you make, then uh, I will bless you. And it, it goes into detail about that. Honestly, it, it, so we're to this day, to this day, 30 years later, you know, we have never had an unpaid bill. We have always paid everything on time or even ahead of time. We've never had a need that was insurmountable or that wasn't somehow taken care of. It, it's, I probably need to write a book about that. Yes. I love that. I love that. You know, God will meet us in that. Absolutely. And, and again, being in just my second year of starting the business, we have gotten very, very close several times. Yeah. Where God has always showed up. And uh, actually, we had just transitioned our business from coaching time for money, you know, typical coaching consulting model to a platform where we support business owners. Basically, we come alongside business owners and say, we will develop your people so you can develop your business. We partner with them in that way. I'm highly relational, if you can't tell. Yes. And I didn't like the transactional nature of coaching and consulting, pay me. And then we're close for a little while and then see you later. I liked being invested in my clients and we pushed all the chips to the middle of the table and said, God, I, you know, I believe this is what you're doing. And we got very close and we were at the last week before we were going to launch. And my wife knew I had a very long day. I had meetings all day. I got home at about 9 PM. She was expecting me that late. And she came in and she said, what's wrong? Cause you know, when Jonas is hurt and he knows when you're hurt before we want to admit it. And I'm telling her all that happened in that day and rent was due and I'm smiling through the tears as I'm saying, either I'm going to fail miraculously or God is going to show up bigger than we've ever seen it before. And I'm, I'm smiling like this, but I'm crying because I'm looking at her in the eye and she's having this faith that God, God has not let us down to this point. And we're going to continue to believe that. And again, it took us to our knees. God, you got to do what you got to do because I yeah. just can't do it. And I think God is delighted when we're in that position that we can't do anymore and we have to be wholeheartedly trusting him. I think that's that part of taking up our cross as well as it's not just the responsibility or the burden, but it's also taking up that cross to say, I will focus on this God and I'm giving the rest to you. It's, 
it's encouraging now hearing your story as I'm still very much so in the thick of it to say, just continue to do what you got to do. God will take care of the rest. I, I just, you know, just stay on your, stay on your mission. Stay, you know, keep your purpose clear in front of you. Just keep it there. And you follow that, um, you know, purpose gives you overcoming power. I, I'm telling you, it just gives you, it gives you the will to, to stay when you want to run. Um, yeah. Purpose power and pretzels. That is what this episode is going to be called. (laughs) So you, you gave you out, you, you gave, and you stayed on purpose and on mission all the way up until not up until, but in the lane of running Auntie Anne's 2005 is when you sold the company. Tell me about what ultimately led to that decision between you and Jonas to say, Hey, we've taken it this far now it's time for another chapter in our life. You know, I think it's really important to know um, when it's time to start, when it's time to finish and to understand that there are seasons in your life. And, you know, I really didn't quite understand that at the time, but what really led us to uh, at least um, contemplating, talking about the idea of selling at Tans was through an experience that I had. I was on the board at a ministry and, and during the time I was on this board, I saw the founder who'd been there for 35 years of this ministry try to let go. And I saw the employees trying to let go of the founder. Very, very uh, eye-opening for me. And at the end of that particular meet, the very first meeting when he said he was going to resign, and then watching that for about a year. One day I, I left the board meeting, I hopped in the car with Jonas and I said, well, I can tell you one thing right now. I'm not going to be Auntie Anne when I'm 75. And he said, wow, what do you mean? So I told him the story and it was just eye-opening. It was an experience that I had never seen before. Like I always thought that I would be Auntie Anne until the day I die. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm dead and gone, they put me in a grave and here lies Auntie Anne, you know? And uh, I never even imagined that one day we would sell. It, it had never occurred to me until then. And uh, I, I told Jonas, I, I'm not going to be Auntie Anne when I'm 75. He said, so why and what age do you want to be? And I said, and I told him, and he said, well, 70? And I'm like, no way. I'm not going to be walking around the halls of Auntie Anne like when I've, when I've worn out my welcome I mean, there's new people in the company and I'm trying to act like I know, you know, like I need to be the boss. I need to be the leader. I, I'm just, I, I, when I'm no longer uh, of value to the company. And um, so, you know, well, 65, no, nope, no, I don't want to be there when I'm 65. At the time I was 55. And he said, well, 60? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. He said, well, hon, you know, if you want to sell the company when you're 60, you need to start right now. Well, no, no, I don't mean, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't mean like, I don't need to sell it right now, but he said, honey, you have to realize it's going to take a couple of years. Well, that was the beginning. And three years later, we sold the company. Wow. And so what I hear from that story is really just understanding when, Yes. I, when I, I tell leaders this, maybe this, this equates, you tell me if it doesn't, there's a time to evaluate when the person is right for the mission and a time to evaluate when the mission is right for the person. Wow. Very Does true. that seem to equate? It's absolutely true. And also, you know, you go back to Ecclesiastes, there's a time to build, and there's a time to tear down. I mean, there's, a, you know, there's a time to, uh, to, to, to cry and a time to weep, you know, let me tell you, uh, I mean, a, a time to cry and a time to laugh. And I, uh, let me tell you, I, building Antians was laughing and crying. I mean, there was so much joy and so much stress and so many tears and so many, pray, so many prayers. But when I sold the company, when I realized that, that God really just guided us in that, he, he helped us understand there's more for Auntie Anne's. And by, at the end of 18 years, I, I want to say, I didn't realize it at the time, but I really felt depleted. Like we, have, we had about 900 stores at that time. Wow. And it was all so fast and we never stopped. Um, so when we sold the, finally sold the company, 
it was it was a hard it was a very hard decision but we knew it was the right thing to do just was we weren't sure how to do it but we brought in professionals and um people that were able to guide us through all of it which was very helpful but when i sold the company and i went home after we'd settled and everything the day of our settlement i went home and i sat in my chair and i'm like oh my goodness what did i just do i thought i was going to be auntie anna until the day i died today tomorrow morning i have nothing to do i was i mean we sold completely i left i didn't you know left on good terms but and as i'm sitting there it's like god said to me you cannot go back there mm. it was two minutes from my house wow that was a startling revelation <laughs> it was but i knew it was from the lord wow and i'm like wow and i'm, I'm crying of course uh why and he said because if you go back there the new owner will never be able to be the leader because you are so invested in the people in the process in the growth and all of that you have to stay away unless you're invited and you know what I, that's what i did i stayed away until i was invited but so there's a there's a time for laughter there's a time for crying and that was a hard thing for me but my my sadness then turned into joy as as time went on and let me let me give you a story about that time it was about three months later i'm still uh, grieving it was a grief I, I grieved my people i loved being auntie and i loved my people i loved business i loved the interaction and the the things that we were able to accomplish while we were while we were there and um so i'm struggling a couple of months later we settled in april this was in august i got a call from a friend of mine in um in sweden um we we never talked he was a, a swedish man he'd come to the states every once in a while but we never talked on the phone he called me one day and um he said to me yeah i heard that you sold your company and i said yeah that's right and he said i'm wondered how i'm doing i said i'm doing fine i didn't disclose any any of the struggles or anything he said well I, I really called because God told me to tell you that you did the right thing by selling the company. The timing is perfect. And he will show you what the next season of your life is like very soon. Like, wow. Well, that was the end of my struggle. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I needed that. I needed that affirmation, that confirmation, even though I knew we'd done the right thing. My point in all that is that when you follow the Lord in your business, when you, when God is truly, I like to, he's your partner, but he's more than that. He's your boss. <laughs> he's your father. Uh, he's the one that guides you. And um, so when I, when I got that message, I just felt like God was just really affirming and confirming to me and saying, you really did the right thing. It's what I asked you to do. And I had total peace about that. From that point on, I never struggled with the decision that we made. It really sounds like there's one thing about holding things with an open hand. I've had several mentors talk about that, but the the iron the irony in that is you can't hold anything with an open hand technically because it's not holding right and so i've i'm like i me as as a my enneagram type is a type eight so very aggressive and intense and wanting to get in control and just step in and lead if there's not someone leading i'll do it uh really feeling like i got to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders yeah. and so when they say you got to hold it with an open hand you know for the first thousand times I heard that. I'm like, oh, that's true. And I hold it with an open hand so God can do what he wants with it. But lately I've been thinking about that. Well, you can't technically hold something if your hand is open and Auntie Anne, you can see my hand here. I can't do both. And what it's really revealed to me is ultimately I'm not holding on to it. God is, it's just in my hand. And, yes. and this is just fresh. So it's just like one of these things I'm processing through. I can't hold it with an open hand, but God can. He happens that it's in my hand and I get to have it in my possession or near me at this time. And, you know, I, I, I see that in your story, that your story, even with from selling this company at 900 stores, it sounds like you went out on top, which some athletes can take notes. They try to battle until they just no longer can do it. That's you went out on top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's a good time for us to sell. Yes, thank you. And, and you see that you've really had this model of stewardship. And I don't know if I've not heard a story yet where you've drawn the connection. I'd like to ask personally, and I, I hope that it's not too forward at all, but even in the, the tragedy of Angie's loss and her death, 
and joining Jesus at that time, it was a, a stewardship of she's ultimately God's and she, mm -hmm. she belongs to him. And so does this business and it belongs to him. So when he wants it, I'm going to give it back to him. Have you sat down and drawn those connections before? Absolutely. I have, you know, wow. and it's true. You're saying it's absolute truth. When you know something belongs to God, it may be hard to give it up. It may be hard to give it back or, or to relinquish or to release it. But, but when you know it belongs to him anyway, it's kind of like, um, you know, the 12 disciples spent three years with Jesus. They had to release him. Mm. I mean, it wasn't their choice, but they had to release him back to the father and go about their business. And, you know, when, when I left Hans Inns, I, one day when I was weeping about, I mean, I, I spent a lot of prayer, a lot of, a lot of crying about this, making this decision. It's like, Oh, you know, and one day I just, Lord, I, I really want to, you know, I want to be a good steward of what I have here. You know, and I want to know for sure that it's the right thing to do. And then he, he just reminded me of when he left planet earth, he trusted and trusted the mission to 12 men. I mean, that's a daunting task, you know? But God, Jesus Christ himself, trusted 12 mere human beings to carry out the mission. Wow. And it's like the Lord said to me, if I can trust 12 humans, flesh and blood people that are like you to my mission, which was to carry the gospel and to build the church, then you can trust your management team. And there was 10 of them on the team at that time. I'll help them uh, keep Auntie Anne's moving forward. It, it was just an amazing analogy. I, yeah. it gave me the courage to trust the company to the people that I had had with me that were trained, that knew my values, my, a little bit like Jesus taught his 12 disciples for three years. I had some people, most people at Auntie Anne's at that time that were with me almost for the entire 18, 17, 18 years wow. in leadership. So it was a relief to me. And, and again, you know, we are in this world, but we are not of it. But I feel like oftentimes we fail because we're, we take on, it's just not judgment or criticism, but it's easy to take on the things of the world and the way the world does business. But it's not the same as a building a company on the values of the Judeo-Christian values and on, on God's principles in the word of God. Um, so, it, you know, for us to, to do this in this world, but we're followers of Christ doing business, we're in the marketplace, we're, we're out there in the real world. I just want to say, you know, if you want to know how to do business, um, God's way, in this crooked and perverse, I want to say, world, this dark place, sometimes it gets dark, then you have to know who God is and you have to trust in him and you have to know what his ways are. You have mm -hmm. to know what are his principles. Read the book of Proverbs. Absolutely. It will tell you exactly how to start yes. a company, how to grow it, how to maintain it and even how to sell it, the book of Proverbs. Wow. You know, what's interesting about it is uh, some mutual friends of ours now, uh, Michael Pink is, is one. I'm sure you got to spend some time with him also. Really instilling that if you want to do business God's way, you can go to God's word. And I would say, if you want to do business well, period, and you're not even a believer, go That's to right. God's word and he That's will right. give you so much that you don't even have to be a believer. I, I believe you'd find your way to being yes. a believer. You're going to see, whoa. This is loaded. This is so helpful and practical. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I, just, I, I can't even imagine business being done any other way. And yet, you know, when I, I'm out there and I'm out and about and, uh, you know, as, as God's, as the followers of Christ, as believers, as people who are in this world, but we're not of it and we're, we're in the marketplace. It, it, it's, it's, you form habits you know, and you form habits based on what works for you. 
And by following a certain rule of principles, like habits are like you get up every morning, brush your teeth for a certain reason. You do certain things for certain reasons. And it's the same way with business. You do certain things, certain ways. You do it, you learn how to do it God's way. God's way. It becomes a habit. And then after a while, you're strong in that. And it it's it's gets easier as time goes by. It really does. Yeah. Well, I, there's so much that I can ask you. How about, you know, maybe I'd love to have you on again. We didn't get to touch on the Enneagram and that's okay because there's so much that obviously you've had so much experience in scaling at, uh, some would say ridiculous rate and then selling and exiting and building a team around you. This is the final question. Cause I know we're getting up on our time. You had mentioned in our conversation before the show that when you were building a team, it was very important to understand how everyone was wired. So obviously to scale at this degree, at this level, you had to be building people behind you. So tell me how you did that. And then what encouragement you'd have for leaders and business owners as they're scaling their business and building leaders behind them. So that's your last question. Okay, how much time do we have? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Start you know, over. <laughs> you know, human behavior is so diverse, you know? And I think as leaders, we have a vision, we know what we want. We uh, initially, I think I kind of assumed that everybody knew what a, what a sparkling clean store was. I thought everybody knew what a golden brown pretzel was. I thought everybody knew, you know, how to manage their money. And wow, as people came in and, you know, employees come in to work for you and as franchisees come into the system, you know, it's really about, it's really about training your people and helping them understand what their gifts and talents are. And one of the greatest revelations that I had early on was when we had a speaker uh, come to Auntie Anne's uh, at one of our conventions and he read an article, it's called there is a difference. And if you want to go online, you can actually find that by, uh, hmm, hmm. well, I'm thinking of who the, McGuire, his name, I, I'm sorry, I forget the name, but if you will go in and look for the quote, the article, and there is a difference between management and leadership. And at that time, my point I'm trying to make is that in your company, your employees, it's really important for you as a leader to develop them, uh, help them find out. That's why the Enneagram is, powerful. Back in the day for me, it was the Myers-Briggs personality profile. Uh, understand who they are. And, and as a leader, it's, it's important for you to develop your people. But first of all, you have to know who you are. And going into the company, I honestly, I was a pretzel maker. I was first, I was a wife. I was, I was a mother. And then I became a pretzel maker. And then I began to understand that I'm managing my store. And then I began to realize, that, oh, okay, we're in corporate America and I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I was in it over my head. But when this, uh, when this speaker talked about there is a dif difference between management and leadership. Wow, by the time he was finished reading that, I knew for the very first time, it was probably five years into Auntie Anne's, maybe four, I realized for the first time, I am not a manager, I'm a leader. And wow, it shocked me. I'm like, I, I didn't know that. It sounds silly. Maybe you're a leader, you're leading, and actually you may, you may be a manager. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's really important as you're growing your company that you grow yourself. Absolutely. And when you grow yourself, you begin to grow your personal, interpersonal skills with your, with yourself. And then you grow your relationships with your employees. But number one, you have to know who you are. And when I discovered that I was a leader, not a manager, wow, that changed everything for me. And I began to read books and went to <laughs> conferences and I don't know, I did so many things just to figure out, well, what's a leader look like? And I realized it's really not about pretzels. It's about people. And it surprised me because I'm like, I love people. Yes. <laughs> you know, so God will take you on this journey when you learn it, when you understand who you are and what your role is, that's your sweet spot. Yeah. And that's where you will finally be effective. You stop fighting with me, with yourself, with everybody. This is who I am. Now I will develop me. 
And as I develop me, then I will in turn over time be able to help you develop and yes. find your greatest potential. And that to me is a true leader. It's not about money in the bank. It's about developing people. I love that. Thank you so much. It's like uh, people are going to think, obviously, Ed, these things are so, it's evident, right? But it's, it just gets lost on all of us because we get running so fast and so hard. I don't believe that any leader, any even manager does not want to build people. It's just, it becomes a secondary tertiary thought. Yes. But when you get back to building people, ultimately, when we were solely an Enneagram company, which now we're a more holistic people development company, what we said was accelerate relationships, accelerate results. When you accelerate relationship, when you lean into relationship, results take care of themselves. And it's hard to see that when you're right in the big middle of just day-to-day <laughs> -day operations, you know, we got to get through today. So yes, you're right. Thank you so much. Does the Auntie Anne still hold conferences now? And do they invite you back to speak every time? Yeah, every once in a while, I'm invited back to Auntie Anne's. I go back uh, occasionally and I do it with great joy. And I'm their greatest advocate because I'm constantly talking about Auntie Anne's and the product wherever I go. Yes. Well, I, my wife and I, we're going to have to go get a pretzel now. I'm craving it. I watch my carb count because I look at pretzels and I gain weight. Uh, but now after spending some time with you directly, it has a little bit more. Now that I understand the story and the background, these, these, it's going to be like Chick-fil-A calories. It doesn't count anymore. They're for the Lord. Uh, so. Exactly right. Exactly right. I say that every pretzel is rolled with love. So, you know, you need, you need some love every day. Well, thank you so much. My, uh, I know that so many would be blessed by your story. And I'm hoping that this is just the beginning of a relationship that we can continue to grow with each other. And if there's any way that I can serve you or Auntie Anne's, then I would be glad to be a resource for the value that you've given us and our listeners today. Thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Let's talk again. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing story. I hope that Anne's example of leveraging her pain and understanding her pain to ultimately lean into and understand and fulfill her purpose encourages you to do the same. Thank you for joining us on another episode of More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. If you would like to work with us, if you lead a business, you're a business owner or a business leader, and you want to introduce the Enneagram to your team and leverage it to build your people, then we'd love to work with you. And if you would like to join the True Strategy platform, you can join us 14 days free to grow with you and or with your team. True Strategy exists as a platform for building your people so you can ultimately build your business. Go ahead and visit the show notes to find links and an email to get in contact with us. And we'll see you on the next episode.